everybody. How you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to the Broad Street Hockey Green Room Live post game. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Uh, a distressing result tonight, but you know, losses are wins. That's good. Glad to see uh, that little comeback effort was thwarted by the Florida Panthers. They end up winning six to three over yours, mine, and our Philadelphia Flyers. Flyers weren't horrible tonight. Uh, they just played a much better team, and uh, yeah. It is what it is, but I'm sure everyone is more interested in talking about the direction of the organization after the announcement that Rasmus Ristolainen was re-signed for five years and $25.5 million this afternoon. This morning, recorded BSH Radio, and it was awesome that they broke some news right before we recorded and not right after. That's always very annoying. Uh, But, yeah, if you want to talk about tonight's game, obviously – You're welcome to do so, but I have a feeling people are going to want to talk about some other things. Let's get right into it. Let's lead it off with Warren Brody. Warren, you're live on the post game. Hey, Bill. How are you? How are you tonight, Warren? Uh, Interesting news today. Uh, It certainly is. Just to throw some other things in the fire, it sounds like they're building their defense around Aristolani because I was listening to another podcast, Jeff Marrick and Elliot Friedman today, and they they were talking about St. Louis looking at both uh, Sanheim and Provorov. So it might be something you might want to look for. Uh, yeah, it's uh, – I expect – I mean, if they're going to try to sign some free agents, we talked about it today. Like when, when you account for uh, Couturier's raise and Farabee's raise and now bringing back Ristolainen at this price – They've got about $7 million to work with right now. Now, obviously, like, they're going to try to get out of the JVR contract, whether that's trading him, trading him, retaining salary, buying him out, whatever. Uh, but the whole 7 mil probably won't be on the books. But you're going to have to move some other players with decent cap hits in order to bring anyone of value in. They say they want to go after high-end talent. They don't have the money to do it unless they ship some guys out. One of Sanheim and Provorov makes sense, except for the fact they don't have six NHL defensemen. Like, if you move one of those guys, that's another hole you have to fill. Not that they're particularly great, but, like, then you have to fill that hole, too. They seem to, I guess, uh, I wanted to get this in. Uh, York, I thought, had a great game tonight. I thought he was very impressive. But I think uh, they're very confused about Provorov's play. But one of the things they mentioned was it's a problem him playing with Braun because the other teams know that Braun's not going to carry the puck. And apparently they they put the strategy is to pressure Provorov because they know that they're all over him as soon as he gets the puck. So you really can't. That's a, That's an internal issue with the Flyers by the structure of the team. And the yeah, G, GM The GM is not providing, you know, our, and it, we just don't have enough depth in the organization. And it's just – so that's an interesting – I think Sandheim's going to be the one to go because he's got a – he's in a contract year next year, and they're probably not going to be able to sign him now. And they can slide York into his spot. And yeah, I, I think Sanheim's the one who makes more sense because of the contract situation. I think they'll give uh, Provorov, although they see uh, the way they were talking, it sounded like there's some underlying issue there with between him, the team and him. I, and I don't really, you know, obviously have a handle on that, but there's all, always things going on that we don't know about, I guess. Yeah, but it, but it basically the overriding theme was they were gonna, they're gonna. Look at their, they're going to change over their defense. I mean, they There's have to. Be... They are they are atrocious defensively. Uh, and thanks a lot, Warren. Just talking about like what Provorov needs. Um, I believe this team needs another first pair defenseman to play with Ryan Ellis because like Ivan Provorov just isn't that guy. And if you need to be paired with like not even a number one, I think like we've overstated that. What Provorov needs is a competent puck mover to play alongside him. Uh, And that's why I talked on BSH Radio today about I want to see, uh, I've said in the past, I wanted to see Provorov with Sanheim, see if that would work, put Sanheim on his offside. Maybe he'd have a little more, um, maybe Sanheim would have a little more offensive luck being a lefty on the right side and uh, facing the net uh, from the point I always thought. Being a lefty, it's easier to shoot uh, and make plays distribute on your offside. Uh, it's harder 
to do everything else, uh, play pucks along the boards and everything. But I feel the same way about Cam York. Cam York is a competent puck mover, we believe. He's a first-round pick that this regime invested in. I want to see if he and Provorov can make a, a, a decent pairing because I want to bring in someone else to play with Ryan Ellis, uh, someone better than Provorov, and then go from there. Obviously, at that point, you know, risk the line and you're paying him $5 million to be a third-pair guy, which he's probably best suited for, but it just gets to the, it gets to the crux of the issue. This team is built wrong, and they value the wrong things, and I don't know how they can make this work. It's a jigsaw puzzle, just the pieces ain't in the box. Uh, but we'll see as we move along. Uh, let's see here. This it doesn't every like it doesn't show me the callers in order anymore. Uh, I think Jack Conroy was next. Jack Conroy, uh, you're up. You're live. Yeah, I clicked it pretty quick. Uh, I was probably up next. But uh, what's it up? used to show me them in order, and now it's in like alphabetical order. So it's pissing me. Oh, off. Really? but anyway, go ahead, Jack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. What's up? Uh, you know, I you know woke up to the uh, Ristolainen news, and I was yeah. kind of just like. I just feel like I'm numb to it all at this point. Like, I don't I don't even know what to think because, you know, they put all this stress on high-end talent and then you give Ristolainen, who, like, I'm fine with, but, like, you give him five mil, five years. Like, it's the same thing. Like, what is the plan? The front office does not seem to have a plan. It seems like they just go with the flow, and it pisses me off. That's you want to you you acknowledge you said in front of cameras and everybody who was willing to listen. You acknowledge you need high end talent. You also said you're not willing to do what it takes to draft that high end talent. So you're gonna have to try to acquire it a different way. And then you make it basically impossible to do that by you know, signing a guy who's like a four or five defenseman for five million dollars. Like, I, how can they do both? I understand the, the need to want to be harder to play against and have a physical presence. I think that's necessary. But you need a good player to be able to do that. Like, it, Ristolainen is a mediocre player, and you're going to pay him like he's a, a good second-pair defenseman. He's not. Yeah, like when – you know, I, I was on team rebuild because, you know, we've gone through 10 years of mediocrity, and it's just been horrible, and now it's looking like we're going to go through 10 more. But I was on team rebuild. I was like, okay, when he said we're going to aggressive retool again the summer after we did it and it failed, I was like, all right, what are you going to do, Chuck? And just the fact that he's – you know, navigating through this by giving Ristolainen and five mil, like you guys touched, touched on it on the podcast today. Like uh, if you're not going to do it through the draft, if you, you know, are, you know, prohibiting yourself with the money aspect, how are you going to do it? Chuck, it just, it is driving me crazy. And the fact that he's so comfortable in his seat right now, you know, just, I, I can't take it. And I also wanted to say, uh, I thought this was pretty funny and sad. Uh, after the uh, BSH radio po- uh, podcast today, I went back and listened to like one of the early ones. And, oh, it's so depressing. Like you guys were so excited about like uh, Konechny and stuff. And it's just the most depressing thing because I, I, I can't go through this again. It, it's been uh, It's been a horrible ride. It's been rough, Jack, and thanks a lot. Yeah, like – it's it, my problem is not with Ristolainen. It's with their understanding of the salary cap. Like if you can't, I guess now the only way, like maybe you can sign one pretty good player, but you can't go out and get like without making more subtractions, Johnny Goudreau. But how much can you then subtract? Like you need more than one high end guy. You have to make trades to then acquire them. Well, to make trades, you have to give something up, and the Flyers don't have a good prospect pool. So we're talking about roster players. Well, who – what team? Like, okay, yeah, I guess we could trade Sanheim and TK. Well, then you're subtracting. And what team is going to want to take on that salary to lose a high-end player? Like, why wouldn't they then just keep that guy? The whole thing just – it really reeks of not like there being no actual plan. Like we want Ristolainen, so we're gonna keep Ristolainen. We need this element, and yeah, we'll figure out that high-end talent thing some other time. Like, or you probably won't. Uh, Harris Barnes, Harris, you're live on the post game. Hi, uh, Bill. Can you hear me? 
Yeah, I got you. How you doing tonight, Harris? Uh, doing fine. Um, Florida's really damn good. I mean, the Flyers did come back. Oh, a little yeah. Bit, but um, I really hope Florida wins a series this year. Like, they're existing loyal fans have been around through all the, their shit like they deserve a series win and i really just like watching hooper though play he's probably second or third in the heart but i i would hope he gets it but he's probably not going to um but like going back to the risto thing i mean yeah the it locks them into this spot where they're gonna have to gut parts of the roster to free up cap space if they want to acquire higher end talent like you said because like it's either going to be a JVR buyout, which yeah, it saves you a little bit of money, uh, like now, but like that salary um, cap hit uh, is strung out over more years, or you trade JVR the massive loss and have to attach assets onto JVR just for Arizona or Seattle to take him. So like you're kind of fucked if you want to get a uh, Gajero type, and I don't know if he's actually gonna be there or want to come back. I mean, you'd think he would want to, but like Calgary's playing well and there's yeah, better teams, Calgary, better teams. Like Calgary's Calgary. one of the two best teams in the West right now. Like why would he come unless he just is dying to come here. And I think maybe that's a possibility. He just really wants to come home after spending this much of his career in Western Canada. Like why would he leave a literal elite team for a bottom 16? Yeah. And like, Johnny might be looking at it, looking at the Flyers right now and thinking the Flyers are not in a spot where I'm 29 years old and I want to have four or five good shots while I'm still really good to win a cup, presuming Calgary doesn't win it and they have a good chance. Then Johnny could be like, okay, Philadelphia is not going to give me what I want right now and I'll just go when I'm 38. So like maybe the Flyers have just screwed themselves out of getting him this offseason. Maybe when he's, like, at the end of his career, but, like, that's not fun. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, like, the Risto contract kind of puts them in a cap spot where they're going to have to really maneuver things around, and, and Fletcher's going to have to prove that he can be that great. Or, or they're just locking themselves into being another worse version of Minnesota, slightly. Yeah, more. just decent, you know. Yeah, vying but, for a playoff spot. That's that's like what they're building right now is that team. But like Minnesota, like they made the playoffs a, like more consistently. Like the Flyers are just going to be picking eleventh and, and missing the playoffs by eight points every year if they're not careful. Yeah, it's definitely a possibility. Like I just and again, it's not even to pick on Risto or to think I think Risto's a bad player. He's just not worth anything close to this money, and he's not a player a team in the position they're in can lock up like this. It just it all stems to like organizational plan. And they already have no depth, and now they're going to have to deplete it further in order to add the high-end players they want. And then what are you, a team with one line? Like, we've been that, too. Where did it get us? I just – I don't see a path out of mediocre from this. Yeah, and I thought, like, okay, if, if Rista Lyon's going to get $5 million from the Flyers, like, maybe two years. One or two years, like, that's fine. It doesn't screw you over too long. Maybe it's a little too high, but the term's less. But – or if they go longer, then bring the AAV down. They don't do that. So they give him more AAV and more term. And he's already, at best, like you said on the podcast, a four, like offensive four who hits sometimes but puts himself out of the play. Then, like, where is he going to be in a few years when he just, like, inevitably is not as good unless he drinks from the fountain of youth? So I don't know. It just He's not – like, Fletcher's put the team in a really – odd spot and i i guess he's just kind of trying to build his team like minnesota which would make sense so i guess wild fans warned the flyers like this could happen and it might be a lot worse it really could be and thanks a lot harris it's just like a team that's dying for assets like I'm not saying, you okay, they're not going to rebuild. I got it. But what you could have gotten for Ristolainen could have helped you acquire players, like, via trade. Now you don't even have, like, that ammo you could have had is now, like, nope, we're just going to, we no longer have cap space or that potential ammo to go get somebody. It's, it, this thing's just a fucking disaster. Uh, let's see here. Nikki Hall. Nikki, you're live on the post game. Hey, Bill. How's it going? Oh, it's just going absolutely swell, Nikki. Yeah, I feel that. 
I've been uh, working a lot, so I actually didn't catch any of tonight's game, but I've uh, I've been listening in in regards to I can't really say too much about the game since I didn't really watch it, but yeah, as far as the as far as that whole Mr. Linen thing go went, like yeah, I understand one or two years, three years at most, because like you know at least then it's kind of more like like a raffle situation where I think what we signed him for two years and traded him last year when he was only like a year left on his contract or he was on his last year or something like that. Yeah. And like, it's just the next GM is going to have to buy this guy out. Like that's Mm -hmm. going to happen. Right. Now, of course, don't get me wrong. I love the physicality he brings. I'm not saying that, you know, I mean, other he's guys worth about half of what they're paying him. Like, if they gave him two and a half, three million, fine. But to mm. think he's worth five is fucking insane. Uh, and I think uh, I forget which caller brought it up, but the fact that Fletcher is literally sitting in the back of his chair, comfortable at this deal he swung Risto's way, is honestly mind-boggling. Like, is Fletcher trying to dig himself an early grave and out of office because the way things are going, I don't see him being a Flyers GM for any more than maybe a year or two. I, at this point, I, at this point, truly believe that he is their hockey guy because he's friends with Bobby Clark and uh, he's going to eventually be president and Danny Breer is going to be GM. Like, I don't think Chuck Fletcher is going to get fired. Maybe he gets moved up like Paul Holmgren, but I don't see him as like somebody on a hot seat of any kind. That's that, that's honestly amazing to me that, you know, to have those. I could be wrong. It's just my personal read on the situation. I don't mm-hmm. have, you know, like, I'm not a journalist. I don't know this shit for sure. Mm-hmm. It's just my personal read on this situation, the way I'm looking at this, uh, the way I'm looking at this organization. Like, they want to try to, they hear the fans, like, we miss being the family style organization like Ed Snyder. And they're mm-hmm. reading it like, okay, so let's just build that and we'll just do it with this guy. If only it were that simple, but it really isn't. And I feel like, well, I can't even say that he's been turning over in his grave. I think he's been turning over in his grave for the past, what, five, four, five, six, how many years now? Like, we have not seen an exciting Flyers team since... God, how long has it been? Like 2012. We'll always have January to March 2020. We will always have January right. to March 2020. That was a hell of a run. Oh yeah, no, I'm not discrediting yeah. that, them there. Like you know, that was the bubble. Like yeah, it was weird. You know, but I mean, you know, the pandemic times. It's you know, the uh, I, I didn't necessarily agree with them playing seven, the same team seven times, all within you know, the radius and then playoffs, it was like, oh, yeah, no, once you advance, you can go to other cities that, you know, don't necessarily fit the whole quarantine bubble and the whole nine yards of that. I mean, thankfully, this season's been more of a consistent of instead of just playing the devil seven times or the capital seven times or a team that can exploit your that's already exploited your weakness seven times, you know, it's it, it's much better in that regard. Um, one last thing. Uh, trade deadline is approaching. What are some names that we that we are able to work with? Obviously, Johnny Hockey is probably not going to be one of them. Yeah, I mean, he's not getting traded. That's a. Sh- I mean, Calgary can win the cup this year easily. It's a player you're going to have to sign in the off season if he's willing to leave. Uh, mm-hmm. And he hasn't re-signed yet for whatever's that worth. So it seems he wants to at least hit the open market. But I don't know. I, I don't. I really don't know what this team is looking towards. If they acquire, if they acquire some players at the deadline who are you know, able to contribute right away, that would be fine. It might hurt their draft status, but I, I really don't know because I don't. I have no idea what this fucking plan is now. Like, It's really hard to say with any certainty what they're going for because right now like, it looks like – it looks like a puzzle, and thanks a lot, Nikki. It looks like a puzzle that's just missing pieces. The pieces ain't in the box. They're just, you know, going to go with this broken thing. That's that's all it looks like to me right now. Uh, let's see here. Patrick Reed Miller. Patrick, you're live on the post game. Hey, Bill. How you doing? What's going on, Patrick? Uh, 
Oh my god. I mean, I guess I have a few points, but like, just like, just picture this for a second. We got, we got Chuck Fletcher in his office with Bill, Barber, and Bobby Clark talking about Risto, and they go, "What do you guys think about Risto?" Bobby Clark goes, "Oh, he plays, he plays mean, he plays nasty. We haven't had that since Chris Pronger. He, he plays like a fucking flyer." Bill Barber goes, "I agree." Danny Breer chimes in. But, but his stats say otherwise, and they just go, shut up, Danny, sign him. That's like they've been chasing this idea of Chris Pronger as if Chris Pronger isn't one of, like, the five best defensemen to ever play the goddamn game. Like, two guys since the 40s have won MVPs as defensemen. One of them's named Bobby Orr. The other one is Chris Pronger. Like, yeah, he was mean and big and all that shit. But, like, you know what made him awesome? He was the best outlet passer of all time. He could run a power play. Like, this idea that it was his mean streak that made him. No, that was a bonus. That was the bonus thing about his game. What made him great was everything else. Exactly. So I guess my first point is I, I formulated this in my head over the day. The only way I think is if this wristed thing works, as I'm no coach, but this motherfucker for the rest of the season and next season, his ass better be in front of the fucking net on the goddamn power play, no matter what. Because he's like, you're big, you're tough, <laughs> nobody will fuck with you. Screen the goddamn goalie, get us some fucking goals. That should be his fucking job. Earn that, earn that paycheck. Uh, and they have no one else to do it. And like the one guy you'd think, uh, JVR, he's been a disaster this season. Uh, I man, on some slack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'll do. I'll cut him some slack. I actually only watched the third period tonight. I was watching the Sixers game most of the night, but uh, no, I, I heard he got into a little wrestling match too. But I mean, I, I just this team is just built in a way that I don't see a path forward. Yeah, and the reference to your the show today, which was which was what the fuck are we gonna do? Like the money? Where the f- next season's gonna be another tank? That, that, that's. It's definitely on the it's definitely on the table, Patrick. Like there's the, and thanks a lot. There's no that like there's no guarantee they're not just shit next year. I think they'll be closer to mediocre, maybe contending for a playoff spot. But man, like say Couturier's back is is fucked. Like they'll be horrible again. <laughs> I, I I I I'm baffled by this organization. I, I truly I. D- I always try to go – I always say, even if I don't agree with something, even if I like, I just personally have a different set of principles or uh, I just see the game a different way, if I can understand your logic, if I can get my head around your way of thinking, even if I disagree with it, I'll go, okay, that's your plan. That's the way you see it, and I can not justify it to myself but at least come to some sort of agreement on the explanation – and I just have no explanation for what they're doing. And it's it gets, you know, the same thing with Cam York. Like, I, I don't want to make this all about Rasmus Ristolainen. It's not about him personally. Again, if they paid him $3 million, I'd have no problem. But it's just the idea that there's a finite amount of money. And there's so many problems with this team. How are you going to fix them if you, like, if you prioritize this over – Everything else. Like, hey, we can't make a breakout pass. Uh, Rasmus Ristolainen doesn't do shit to help that. Like I, I, like Cam York, oh, yeah, when we play him, we're going to play him on the third pair, but mostly he's going to play in the AHL. Well, then you're just wasting everybody's time. Like, we should be finding out, and he did a little in the third period, I think, but we should be finding out if Cam York can play and salvage Ivan, play with and salvage Ivan Provorov. If he can be that you know, that competent puck mover that Provorov needs to look like a a viable NHL top four defenseman. Because if he can be, well, there's a a problem solved right there. Like, there's a true issue with this organization that maybe you're able to figure out. But you got to play Braun up on those top minutes, and you got to keep Yandel's streak alive. So the priorities are just wasting everyone's time here. Uh, Matt Gimeno. Gimeno, Matt, you're live. Hey, Bill, you got me? Yeah, how are you tonight, Matt? Hey, not too bad. Um, Ristolainen, I'm not a 
I know I understand Ristolainen is a divisive player. Uh, the people that don't like him, I understand why. And the people that do like him, I understand why. And I, I kind of fall somewhere in the middle. Um, I, I really did not think he was going to choose to stay in Philly. And I, the more I think about the term aggressive retool, and I, and I think more and more about I, I don't really – I can't envision what this is actually going to look like. And I was actually thinking about that earlier. And then all of a sudden I get this notification about this wrist aligning extension. And I'm thinking, I really thought this guy was going to leave and go somewhere where he felt like he has a shot to finally play in the playoffs. And then I thought about the money they gave him. I'm thinking, Jesus, no wonder the guy stayed. I, I can't, I don't think, I think there probably are a lot of other teams that would contend or at least make the playoffs that would probably take a guy like Ristolainen. I don't know that anybody would have paid him that much money. I I really – I mean, there's always a dumb GM out there willing to do stupid shit, uh, and, and guys get overpaid all the time. Like Tyler Myers got five five years, six million. So, like, you know, there's a lot of bad GMs in this league. They all make <laughs> stupid mistakes. It's just like – I'll tell. Let me ask you this, Matt, because this is something that came up a little on the podcast today, and it's something I was mulling over last night and then this morning when it turns out, yeah, they're keeping this guy. Would you be surprised if they, like, maybe they they bring in a player or two, you know, maybe not a Johnny Goudreau, but they try to get like a Philip Forsberg or something to add a little wing depth. They go out and get a higher priced, a name you've heard who's capable of putting up some points. Would you be the least bit surprised if outside of that, they kind of ran it back? Like to me, this increases the possibility that they're going to attempt to entice Giroux to stay. And they're like, they truly believe that with Ellis, Hayes, and Couturier healthy, that this thing is worth keeping together. Well, that's kind of what I was getting at when I said I can't picture what aggressive retool means. And I think what I'm starting to see in in the near future is just kind of a whole lot of the same, like like a slightly reworked version of the same bad that we're seeing. I, I think this is I think that Chuck Fletcher said what he had to say. The fans were going to demand in that press conference that he was going to say something. He didn't want to commit to, to tearing the whole thing down. So he used sort of a roundabout way to satisfy everybody. And with this wrist alignment signing, it really kind of feels like he must feel like he was obligated to resign this guy, giving what he gave up to get him. That, that's how it feels to me. I think that definitely played a part, and it's really just this, like, circular thinking. Like, you're the one who gave that shit up. Try to recover it. Like, trade him and try to recoup some of that. No, we we sunk the first rounder into him. We traded away Robert Haig. Was there a third or a fourth rounder in that trade, too? I don't remember. But, like, oh, well, it's sunk cost. We got we to gotta follow through. Like, sometimes you should just give up on something because it's not worth like, like, it wasn't worth it when you paid it then. So it doesn't matter, like, what happens now. Like, you overpaid to begin with. So you're going to double down. Like, now you don't have the assets you gave up for him. You don't have the cap space you assigned to him. And you don't have the assets you could have got for him. You've now essentially lost out three times. Yeah, you just you mentioned Giroux. Um, if if they can, I can't even wrap my head around them convincing Giroux to stay. But the fact you just said that and that just really threw me off because I, I made peace with him leaving a long time ago. So did I. Like, yeah, I, uh, I've been I've been operating under the assumption he's gone since mid December basically, and now it's like I, I don't know how. Who are they going to get better than him? Like if he really wants to stay, which people say he might, I don't under I don't see how you can get someone to take like a hometown discount better than he might give you. Like, I don't see I don't see another path to a player as good or better than him. I think he might be your best option. So let me let me ask you this about Giroux. Uh, obviously Giroux has loved being a flyer. Uh he he did come up toward the tail end of a prior era. And he's he, he clearly enjoys the, the organization, the city and everything that it's it's been for him in his career. Now, if, if he does choose to leave, I wonder how much of that do you think is he wants a shot at a cup versus 
a kind of a selfless, I know my leaving is what's best for this organization. I, I wonder what the percentage would be of how those, those two things would be balanced out in his mind and his decision. I, I don't know. That's a good question, Matt. Like, I think ultimately players should be and will think about themselves first. But, uh, you know, he, nobody has been in this locker room. Nobody has been in this organization longer. Shit, he, like... He's been around longer than the GM, the coach. He, Bob Clark's the only one who's longer tenured than this dude at this point. Uh, I, I really don't know. So maybe like he does see that sort of – not even it's best for the organization, but we'd, best, we'd both be better off if we parted ways, like the way we all kind of looked at Shane Gostaspare. Like we understand what Ghost is. He has his flaws. He has his pluses. He has his minuses. And ultimately he's a useful player. But maybe a, a a parting of the two parties is what's best for both sides. Maybe Giroux sees it like that. Like, my time is up here. If I was going to make it happen, I would have. Right. Yeah, well, you know, that's uh, that's all I got for you tonight. And uh, I will say in closing, they, they really made it, me nervous for a minute there. I thought, oh, my <laughs> God, they're going to win a third straight game against the team they have no business beating. But luckily, they didn't do that. So I feel you, Matt. I felt the same same way. And thanks a lot for calling in. Uh, yeah, when, when they made it 4-3, I was like, no, what are you doing? Please stop. But Florida remembered uh, that they are just light years ahead of the Flyers and, uh, you know, put it out of reach, which is ultimately best for this organization. Uh, Reese LaRoche. Reese, you are live on the post game. Hey, Bill. How's it going? How are you tonight, Reese? Um, you know, I'm doing pretty well. I think I've just um, made peace with the fact that the Flyers are going to be uh, really bad for the next probably five years minimum. But, like, um, you know, we were saying before that I think Kelly mentioned uh, a week or two ago that uh, the problem with the organization is that it's ran by a bunch of old heads. And honestly, I cannot agree more. This organization yeah. is pretty much ran by uh, people that don't understand um, where the game is at right now in a salary cap era. And, you know, the risk aligning contract clearly proves that this team values the wrong characteristics in a player and they're paying them way too much money. And, you know, this completely goes against uh, Chuck Fletcher's flawed um, strategy of an aggressive retool. So, yeah. No, I, I think I said at the time when we talked about this, like, this organization is still being run basically by the same people who said coming out of the lockout, oh, you know what? Game's going to be a lot faster. We need to slow teams down. So let's go get Hatcher, Rathji, and Tarion. Like that's it's it's these people. That's what they decided. It's the same people running the organization 15, 20 years later who made those decisions then. And they seem to be repeating them. Yeah. And, you know, I think the worst case scenario at this point is, like you mentioned before, they don't have a lot of assets to play with to actually do it an aggressive retool. So Chuck Fletcher's already kind of, you know, it's kind of a delusional person at this point. And like, the worst case scenario is that they trade this year's, uh, not this year, but their following year's first round pick <laughs> and then suck again and yep. then get a top pick in a really good draft year, potentially Connor Bedard, because we're probably going to be really bad. That would just, oh my God, that is, I would just, you know, I'm never checking on this team because this, you know, I've, I've pretty much invested a decent chunk of my life in them and, you know, I'll always be a Flyers fan, but like, Oh God, that would just be the biggest kick in the balls, you know, as if uh, we didn't need another one. But. It, it absolutely would be, Reese. Like uh, it's like when you look at what assets they have, it, you bring up a great point. Like there, I'd be shocked, you know, if they uh, if they traded this year's first round pick. I don't think that's on the table. But like when you look at the assets they have, the 2023 first round pick is as good as anything else. Why wouldn't, if they're really going to aggressively retool, why wouldn't that be on the table? And if things are going to go as poorly as we think they might, like, Jesus, uh, that could be that could be franchise crippling to to do that. Exactly. And you know what? Like, if they are going to do all these, like, terrible moves, like sign Risto or whatever, or, you know, just don't touch your, process, your, your draft picks. Please don't touch your draft picks. You can, I don't care if you sign, like, you know, fucking John Scott or like fucking what's his name? 
Sean Avery to like a 10-year, $10 million contract, you at least you, are, you will be shit for the next, like, you will be shit and you will, you know, get the first overall pick, whatever. You'll get high draft picks. You'll be, like Charlie said, unintentionally bad. And that's what Flyers fans are going to get, you know? And But if you fucking trade those, those uh, draft picks, we're just, you know, we're unintentionally bad and we have no future. <laughs> so it's just... Oh my God! It's just I know they're not gonna they're not gonna sign those guys, but like you know, just they they could you know they signed Risto to a five year five point one million dollar deal, and he's analytically one of the worst defensemen in the league. So you know, like Zach McEwen does exactly what Risto does, except he's a forward. So like, <laughs> you know, I I think they just lose their mind over the fact that Risto is a, a six foot five right handed shot defenseman, and they just go crazy. So. That's you know, Reese, and thanks a lot. Like, um, if if Risto was left handed, are we having this conversation at all? Like, forget the size, the the mean streak, the the physicality, whatever you know, ad attributes you want to uh, apply to Rasmus Ristolainen. If he's left-handed, are we having this conversation? Like, I really don't think so. And if that's the deciding factor, like, Jesus Christ. Uh, let's see here. I think it was 69-60. You're live. Hey, Bill. Uh, this game, honestly, it, it's a it's a good wake-up call. It just, I mean, honestly, like, looking at this talent versus Florida's talent, it just, they're not even in the same leg. Yeah, like Florida gets up what four nothing. The Flyers, you know, they probably put it in cruise control because they're up four nothing. The Flyers stage a little comeback. Uh, they win a couple of shifts, and then Florida goes, okay, enough of this shit. Like it's very obvious. Like the flow of the game. Yeah, they're they're in they're in a different league. The Flyers have fifty percent an AHL roster, and Florida like could very well win the cup. And going back to the Flyers have a 50% AHL roster, I mean, all that points to is uh, Chuck Fletcher, honestly. I mean, I know there's injuries. I know there's injuries. But Chuck Fletcher is the te- guy that put this team together. I, I'm on the train where I, I said this guy, has not he's not going to be a great GM. He's going to be a terrible GM for the Flyers. And I, I like this solidified it with the Ristolainen signing today. And I yeah, do want to kind uh, of play like a devil's advocate to like what the mood has been for like this post game with the uh, wrist aligning signing. Like, do you think like they're looking at it? And like, I mean, I, we're all, I guess we're all looking at it as fans. We're like, this is the straw that breaks the camel's back type of thing. But it's really not like the wrist aligning signing like is the single one thing that's going to like tank this team. No, and that's the, like, I'm trying to draw that distinction. It's not about wrist aligning. It's the organizational philosophy that like, if this is what we're prioritizing, how can we get the high end talent we need? Exactly. And I mean, I think like, how do you want to say, like, I think this is the way the organization's looking at it. Cause like, this is even pathetic, but like, do you think they're like looking at it? It's like, well, we have, Three guys that are six foot two, six foot four, and six foot five that get paid seven million dollars plus a year in JVR, Kevin Hayes, and Sean Couturier, and they wouldn't hit a fly. And now we finally have a guy that actually wants to throw hits and he wants to walk. So let's just give him a bag. I guess. I mean, perhaps. I just think. I just think they they see a big physical guy and they don't see anything like they're willing to write off every flaw because of one ad attribute. And it's, I don't know. Are the flyers any tougher to play against this year than they were last year? I like Risto again. I don't dislike the player. I think he brings an element that is necessary, but to say he's anything other than like a depth role player is insane. Uh, He's nowhere close to a $5 million player. He's worth two and a half to three. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say like even like you could argue uh, anything up to about three five, and like obviously like, the cap's gonna go up with like COVID ending and like eventually, sure. Eventually, like, Lawton, sure. Lawton and Lindblom both make three million dollars. I line yeah. up these three players, who gets picked last? Like it's it's risk aligning mm-hmm. by a lot. But that's the other thing though too. Like if you take the top, like let's 
because you and I, I think we're, we're in the same boat. We're like, we wrote off Drew's gone. Like we're, you and I are like fast forward to like the end of the season and we're like preparing for next season. If you take like our top three highest paid players and compare them to any other team's top three highest paid players, and you wanted to do that draft or whatever, like us versus, I don't even know, like Florida or like us versus like even like a Columbus or a like Detroit or whatever, would you actually take the Flyers three highest paid players over any other team's three highest paid players? Man, like I'd have to really look at it, but off the top of my head, no. Because like, especially now, I mean, Kevin Hayes looks like he's coming into into form, but he he's not. I, I like Kevin Hayes a lot, but again, is he worth the seven plus million? Eh. Like he's a real good second line center if you have an awesome first line center, which they haven't recent. Like Sean Couturier is not the guy he was a couple of years ago, and now with a back injury, I don't know if he's going to be. And without Giroux, I don't know if he's any anything close offensively to uh, to what it was. Like I, I'm looking at, uh, you're going to have to surround Couturier if he's going to remain a viable one C with like two stud offensive wingers. I don't know how they go and get them. I agree with that as well. Like, I mean, if you look at like all our like highest paid players, I mean, they're all overpaid by like one to two million dollars a piece. And like that adds up. I mean, looking at Couturier, like, yeah, he's he, we paid him. Obviously, the Flyers paid him for like what he's done in the past. And, like, and he was underpaid like an, for so long. And yeah, like, and the I, Couturier you know, contract in a vacuum is fine. It's just like, well, also the 2C makes the same amount of money. And we don't have any dynamic wingers. So and our third line winger makes almost the same amount of money as that. Yeah, exactly. And, and we're also paying six point whatever to a guy that touched the ice five times this year, too. And that's the other thing, too. It's like we have all this high end capital like invested in people that are constantly injured or that are just overpaid. And like, obviously, it all comes back to Chuck Fletcher because, I mean, besides the JVR one, like he's responsible for Kevin Hayes. Sean Couturier, Ryan Ellis, and like this now this Rasmus versus the Lion one. And like if you look at all those contracts, you're like, you kind of just think, you're like, what the hell was he thinking? Yeah. And it's like, how do you move them? How do you where do you go from here? Is is really the question now. And I don't have an answer for that. And thanks a lot, 60. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it as always. Thanks. Um I, I like I hate to make the show so negative and so like, oh, well, this is just a disaster. Uh, I'm, I try to be honest with you guys. And when I see a reason to be optimistic, I talk about that as well. I always – you want to come on here and tell me I'm fucking wrong about everything? Go right ahead. I give everyone ample opportunity. Christ, everyone on BSH radio, you know, Steph, Kelly, Charlie, they tell me I'm a goddamn idiot six times a week. So anyone can disagree with me at any time they want. I'm willing to hear out any argument. I just don't see what the fuck they're trying to do right now. Uh, Johnny Dyer. Johnny, you're live on the post game. How's it, Bill? How you doing tonight, Johnny? I'm all right, man. I missed most of the game. I got to listen to a bunch. Uh, I just wanted to know, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm all, Risto signed that deal today, and I'm sick of talking about him already. Like, I, I know. I know. I, what are you going to do? Spill milk, bro. Like, it's done. <laughs> right? But I did. Point, did yeah. uh, um, Scotty Lawton got crushed from what I could tell over the radio, and his out. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I was told was about it. Way. I didn't see it. I didn't see most. I only watched the third period tonight. I was watching the. Uh, I was watching the Sixers game and just following the Flyers on Twitter. But yeah, from what it sounded like, is he got laid the fuck out. And you know, good thing there was number seventies out there to protect him. But besides that, yeah, uh, who do they who do they fill in? Like, who do they – because with a head injury, like, it's hard to, you know, figure out how long he's going to be out. Hopefully they're smart enough to just, like, let the guy rest and don't push him or, or let him convince them that he's okay. Uh, do they do they call up Morgan Frost or are they just Bonneman? Like, who is it? Who do they have to take his spot? They have uh, – do they have an extra – I feel like they've been choosing between Willman and Mayhew the last okay. couple games, so, so I think they have an extra. Because I was thinking the same thing, like, okay, does Frost or somebody come up? But I mm-hmm. think they have the extra. All right. That's, that's pretty yeah. much like one other thing. Like, do you think um, 
Martin Jones, does he get the, the the next start? And is that enough to convince other teams to take him for like a sixth round pick? Man, it's such a shame. Like Martin Jones started out the season and was like, oh, damn. And he has just reverted into Martin Jones lately. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what the hell you can get for him. Teams always need goalie depth. I mean, I think Toronto would, would do anything to bring Ron Hextall out of retirement at this point. They're a sieve. But I, I don't know. If, I, I don't know what the hell you can get for him at this point. Uh, honestly, because I want to have the worst record imaginable. I want Carter Hart to come down with a phantom injury, and at this point, fuck the sixth-round pick. Martin Jones starts every game for the rest of the season. What are there, 25 left? You got them all, dude. (laughs) I'm on board for that, brother. All right, thanks a lot, Johnny. I appreciate it. Uh, Let's go to Jack Conroy is back. Jack, you're live on the post game. Yeah, sorry, Bill. I just had to come back because I remembered a statement that you made uh, in a couple podcasts ago that I agreed with. You got some hate for it, but I completely agreed with how for some reason these guys are just so excited to like come back and like, you know, get these deals. Like granted, like five million, you know, makes losing yeah. feel a lot better. But like Ristolainen, and I've seen all this talk about. Oh, if he gets in a playoff series, his stock is going to jump. Mans has been when in the, the league for like eight years. Yeah. <laughs> He's been in the league for like eight years and hasn't even like sniffed the playoffs. Um, Me and you have been in the same number of playoff series as him. Like yeah. what, how uh, it's, it's insane. And no, I remember the comment you're talking about when I was like, they're all losers was, and they, yeah, like, they love it. Like they, they were like, so happy. You, you don't want it to be toxic, but you also don't want like you kind of do. I was like, not toxic, but like if if they're not like if guys aren't dying to get the fuck out of here, like why? What? Who? Yeah. Why do you want to stay here? This is an organization that hasn't won shit in ten anything close to anything in ten years. It, it, like they barely like they don't make the playoffs half the time. Uh, Everyone's happy. Everyone's friends in the locker room. Like, what the fuck? Like, everyone should be pissed. They should all fucking hate each other. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, uh, I talked about it a while back after the 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 classic uh, Dave Scott, you know, press conference, whatever. I talked about how he was saying, "Oh, check." Chuck Fletcher's, you know, we've done a great job on the business side, bringing everyone together and everyone's so happy. It's like, it's the same thing on both sides. The organization's so happy, but they're also losing every game. Uh, the locker room is, you know, we're losing every game, but at least Keith Yandel's cracking jokes, guys. So we're all having fun. Let's yeah, just he all still stay says here. Thank you. He still says thank you when the, when the goalie leaves the puck for him. So, yeah, everything's good. Yeah, like... I, I I know you have to have, like, a balance of, like, you know, you don't want it to be, you know, the most angry locker room in the league. But, like, I just wish we could have some, like, insight to guys just yelling at each other a bit because it seems like everyone's a bit too happy. And I, I don't that just makes me mad. Like, yeah, I feel like, like guys should be itching to win. I, I don't need like I don't need like the you know the Eagles after the Super Bowl all the locker room leaks and like everyone hates each other like it doesn't need to be that but like I don't know the fact that nobody's you know reportedly people aren't going and asking for trades why the fuck not yeah. go win somewhere if you think you're good go somewhere where you can apply that skill because it's pointless here the season's been over you're playing. Pointless exhibition games. That's what you're doing. You are risking your life out there, like guys with knives on their feet going 25 miles an hour to kill each other in in meaningless exhibitions. Yeah, and, uh, you know, just just one more thing before I go. I'm already preparing myself to see the emergency post-game. Fletcher (laughs) gets a second rounder for Giroux. Like, He's gonna mess oh. this up, and it's just gonna be so sad. Like, ugh, I, I, I you know, everyone's been talking about how they're preparing themselves. Like, yeah, it's gonna be sad to see the thousandth game, but please, just get something, please. Like, I'm begging, I will, I'm praying Chuck, Chuck Fletcher gets something for Giroux because he, it's, ugh. there's, yeah, and thanks a lot, Jack. It's the, this season's about two things: finishing with the worst possible record and getting as many assets as you can. And your best asset, you know, to flip is 
is Claude Giroux. That's it. You need to get something for him because, man, if you're going to do anything this offseason, it's going to be with whatever you get for Claude Giroux, at least as a centerpiece. Warren Brody, Warren, you're back. Yeah, so this is all about Claude Giroux. You're talking about the team. No one seems to be angry. No one wants to leave. Well, Giroux is, is the leader of the team. He doesn't want to leave. Uh, he's playing like crap the last 10 games. He's not, you know, I, I don't know why he's playing center again. He's not effective there. They're lowering his trade value. This, I, I don't this, think the, anything he does at this point, like guys know what they're getting with Claude yeah. Giroux, and he's going to be in a situation Wait. far better than this. Like, I don't, Wait, don't think anything don't you he does. Think, don't you think Fletcher has to go to him and say, listen, you gotta, we got to move on from you. The team needs to move on from you. You got a chance to win the Stanley Cup. You know, let's, let's make something happen. Oh, I mean, absolutely. he needs to get yeah, a little more aggressive here. I mean, no, that I, absolutely I t- needs to happen. Yeah, as far as Fletcher, I, I, I have no idea what he's doing. I agree with you. It, it's very confusing right now. It, like maybe he's got some mad scientist plan where oh. he throws a bunch of shit together and it all comes out. You know, in August we're all looking at this roster and going, "Damn, nice job." But he needs to get. I, a, I don't see need, how that works. He needs to get a center. He needs to get someone that can create offense because if the power play suffers. Uh, you know, you don't need all these wingers. You, you, if you have strong centers, they make the wingers. So that's what he should be focused on. If he's going to trade Sandheim or Prover, I'm all I'm all in and be if he can get us some kind of creative center or someone that can you know, a young player that you know, that could improve the team a lot. But the, uh, that's my thought anyway. I I feel you, Warren, and it's to me it's less about position like center obviously the most valuable position. Uh but it's more about just a guy who can control tempo and distribute, shoot, uh, be that like dynamic threat with the puck on his stick, control the puck and control tempo and push play his way. Like whether it's a center, a winger, uh, you know, a, a great two way defenseman, whatever it is, uh, it, it just, they need at least one or two guys who can, for lack of a better phrase, we, we talk about it all the time, can take over a game. Somebody who can impose his will on a shift and things just happen. Now, those guys are superstars. They're very hard to come by. They're going to cost a lot of money. I have no idea how they pull it off. I'm not optimistic. I'm less optimistic about it you know, than I was 24 hours ago based on the news today. It's a wait-and-see game. The uh, the deadline is what, eleven days away. Um, they've got what twenty five games left in the season. It's a waiting game now. Got to get to the all. We got to finish with the worst possible record. We got to get to the draft. We got to get to the off season. See where old Chucky boy takes us. But that's it for me tonight. So thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and boom, content, content, content. Uh, we recorded a BSH radio earlier on Thursday, so you're going to want to check that out. All of my post games make their way over to the uh, podcast feed. Chell- Kelly's uh, pre games, the checking out the competition, they're all there. Flight Herbally, uh, so much stuff. I don't even want to name it all. Uh, but that's it for me tonight. So thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. My name is Bill Matz. Until next time, have a great week, everybody.